I'm Carrie Hickenlooper with Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Hi ladies and welcome back to Sister Scriptorians. I'm excited to be with you another week. So are you looking for a missionary opportunity? Well, I have one for you. You don't even have to leave your home. You really, if you choose, you don't even have to talk to anyone. Here's my idea. Go to iTunes and give Sister Scriptorians a rating. You could even leave us a review. That would be awesome. If you're feeling bold and want to interact with people or attempt to share Sister Scriptorians either on Facebook or on Instagram. So how is this being a missionary? Let me tell you, when you give Sister Scriptorians a review or a rating, that helps us to be able to rise up in the search engines of iTunes, which will make it easier for other women to be able to find us. We're doing good. Right now, we are in 10 different states, and I think just being available for a couple of weeks, that that is darn good. But we could use your help. We could use your help in spreading the word, letting people know who trust you, that something of worth can be found here at Sister Scriptorians. Okay, let's move into our topic. Don't be a layman or a lemuel. For a Latter-day Saint, those are seven words that are a complete sermon. All we have to do is say, don't be a layman and lemuel. And there are a few different meanings that come into our mind. The first one is stop murmuring. What is murmuring? I had a seminary teacher who once showed us what murmuring is by standing in the front of the class, kind of off to the side and just going murmur, 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 murmur. Uh, it's a low, continuous stream of complaints and negativity. And any parent knows the irritation of murmuring. At least I hope other parents know. I hope it's not just happening in the Hickenlooper household. Misery loves company, I guess. I don't know. But it is complaining. It is grumbling. It is resistance. And it is exhausting. It puts a damper on your family's synergy and replaces it with this resistance that makes whatever activity you are doing feel like you are dragging 300 pounds of weight that are attached to each and every limb and you are having to move through some swampy muckety guck and climb uphill both ways. You get my drift. It is exhausting. And murmurs can be a drag. And this is the role that Laman and Lemuel chose to play in their families. There is a wonderful general conference talk back from October 1989 by Elder Neil A. Maxwell titled Murmur Not. And he talks about how murmurers lack courage to express openly their concerns. They would rather be off to the side and complain and even have other people take action, but yet they themselves don't take action. And why do we murmur? Because the best of us do. At some point or another, the best of us even fall into complaining or murmuring. He says sometimes it's because we want to be accepted by the Lord, but on our terms and not on his. On those times in which the Lord wants us to stretch up to meet him, 
we perhaps want him to condescend down to meet us. He says it can be about our unmet expectations because we wish that life will flow ever smoothly featuring an unbroken chain of green lights with empty parking places just in front of our destinations. Isn't that just quintessential Elder Maxwell? He was so good at painting illustrations with his words. And it's true. There have been times that I have murmured, that I have complained and folded my arms and stomped my foot, wishing that the resistance on my path would just go away. I want green lights. I don't want yellow or red. I love it. And it's true. Perhaps sometimes we murmur because we fear that our entitlements are being withheld from us. That we've done our part. Where are our blessings? Where is our ease that we have been promised? And then we murmur. We murmur because we lack trust. What are we lacking trust in? Trust that God will deliver us. Trust that our sins will be forgiven. Trust that Jesus overcame the world and so we too can be successful in it. Trust that the Lord is in our midst. We murmur because we don't trust that the Lord will lead us along, that the Lord will stand by us, that God has the capacity to fulfill his promises or carry out his plan. We murmur because we don't trust that God's timing is perfect or that God's ways are better than our lower ways. We don't trust that the patience that is being required of us is actually to preserve our agency or to create an opportunity for personal growth. We murmur because we lack vision and we lack perspective. Elder Maxwell points out that those who murmur have short memories of past blessings and interventions of the Lord. Strange, he says. Strange, isn't it, brothers and sisters, how those with the shortest memories have the longest list of demands. You see, because remembering our blessings helps our perspective. And isn't that interesting? If you take the perspective of Laman and Lemuel and you compare it to the perspective of Nephi, who remembered the tender mercies of the Lord, who made it a point to point them out to us as often as he could, Whose perspective do you most admire? You see, when we murmur, murmuring drowns out spiritual signals that were intended to lead us. We can't hear them. We can't see them. And Elder Maxwell reminds us of a beautiful Bible passage. He says, when ancient Israel was once compassed about with a great host of hostile horses and chariots, Elisha counseled his anxious young servant Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And then the prophet then prayed that the Lord would open the young man's eyes. And he saw. What did he see? He beheld the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Isn't that the perspective that we desire most and that comes from recognizing the blessings and the tender mercies of the Lord? And that murmuring just gets in our way of being able to see the Lord championing us along. Murmuring is contagious, but Elder Maxwell points out, you know what? So is good cheer. Good cheer is also contagious. 
So don't be a layman or a Lemuel. The second lesson that we are meaning when we say don't be a layman or a Lemuel is beware of being stiff-necked or prideful. I love the illustration that the word stiff neck paints. Do you remember the last time that you had a stiff neck? Remember how painful it was to be able to simply turn your head in another direction than the one that you were facing. You had to essentially twist at your waist or move your body completely around in order to be able to face a different direction. To be stiff-necked despite facing the wrong direction is when you are unwilling to change course. And feelings of being stubborn and self-important and angry stiffen our necks. Prideful feelings of enmity, either towards God or towards our fellow men, stiffen our necks. And our elevated sense of ourselves make it difficult to be teachable and to change our direction in order for us to be able to face righteousness. Despite having a father who was a prophet and received visions, despite receiving a personal visit from an angel, or being zapped literally by the Holy Ghost, Despite hearing the bearing of testimony and even hearing the voice of the Lord, none of these softened the stiff necks of Laman and Lemuel. They had accepted deeply the philosophies of the city of Jerusalem, and they chose to not course correct. They chose to not humble themselves and become teachable and seek for answers from the Lord. Don't be a layman or a Lemuel. Be teachable. Course correct when you need to. Reserve the right to change your mind. Reserve the right to be wrong. It's okay. Just turn to the Lord, receive the answers you need to, and soften that neck. The third lesson that we receive from the sermon, don't be a layman or a lemuel, is be a respectful family member. And I am guilty of having said this to my boys a time or two. Don't be a layman or a Lemuel. Be like Nephi. Nephi was a uniter. Nephi, you know, he was a leader for his, his older brothers. Don't be a layman or a Lemuel. Totally guilty. Layman and Lemuel complained about many things against their father. They called him a visionary man and that wasn't a compliment. That was a derogatory term regarding Lehi's spiritual gift that he had been given. They did not honor the testimony of their father, and they believed him to be a fool who was chasing after imaginations of his heart. Anger filled their hearts as they complained, as they challenged the directions from their father, as they used intimidation and threats against their younger brothers, and they even plotted harm and disruption instead of providing protection and harmony during the most difficult time period of their family's life. Don't be a layman or a lemuel. Our lack of respect as family members, whether young or old, has a significant impact on our homes. Whether it's provoking our children to anger or children dishonoring their parents, whether it's lack of love shown to your wife or lack of respect shown to your husband, such behavior cause family members to lose heart. Don't be a layman or a lemuel. Now, the fourth lesson that we can get from that sermon might not be one that we necessarily think of all the time, but it's numero uno. Well, on this list, I have it as number four, but it's the most important. 
Strive to know the dealings of God. The most chilling description that Nephi gives of his brothers is that they were like unto the Jews who were at Jerusalem, who sought to take away the life of my father. You see, I think sometimes we compare ourselves a little too loosely to Laman and Lemuel because we imagine leaving our comfortable homes and lives and having to depart into the wilderness. And we imagine we we would complain, but the murmuring goes deeper than complaining. You see, because Nephi describes them as being like unto the Jews of Jerusalem who sought to take away the life of my father. Their admiration was extended to those who killed the prophets and elevated false ones, to those who lusted after flesh and possessions and resisted multiple invitations to repent. And throughout the journey to the promised land, Laman and Lemuel made their beliefs known that they knew that the people who were in the land of Jerusalem were a righteous people, for they kept the statutes and judgments of the Lord and all his commandments according to the law of Moses. Wherefore, we know they are a righteous people, is what they said. Their loyalty resided with the people of Jerusalem and not with the prophet of God. And why? Well, Nephi puts it very simply. They did murmur, because they knew not the dealings of that God who had created them. So I am so excited about this series that's coming up this next week. For months, I have contemplated how I can know the dealings of God and have learned his attributes. And as I have done so, my capacity to love has increased. My patience has grown, or at least when I lose it, I regain it back more quickly. And I feel that my anger has become more tempered and that I have more fully embraced the desire to not compete with my fellow men, but to cheer them on and to lift them up. And so what has given me this motivation? It began a few years back in Sunday school. The teacher asked us to describe the attributes of our Heavenly Father, and my mind drew a complete blank. I knew I loved him. I knew he loved me, and I knew I wanted to return back to him. And I could give a list, a checklist of all the do's and don'ts that are required of me, but I could not with confidence describe what my Heavenly Father was like, except for he was loving. Then technology gave me a gift, a free book on the Deseret Book app, and it introduced me to Joseph Smith's Lectures on Faith. And contained within those lectures, in a succinct manner, described what God and our Lord Jesus Christ are like. That they must be like in order to be able to have the entire plan of salvation work. And I have feasted on these words. Now I know there's some controversy as to whether or not Joseph Smith actually wrote lectures on faith. And here's my opinion. I'm just going to leave that up to the historians. Because what I read is truth, and what I read is scripturally sound. Truth is truth. And I'll leave it up to the historians to decide if it was actually from Joseph Smith. But I have feasted on these words, and I have let them testify of the truth that God is everything that the scriptures contained in the lectures on faith are. And as I have done so, I have seen my rebellious tendencies temper. 
by viewing out the rolling of his work through his lens, through Heavenly Father's lens of being the creator and upholder of all things. Accepting that he is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, and abundant in goodness. Accepting that he changes not, that there is no variableness in him. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he is a God of truth and cannot lie. He is not a respecter of persons. And that in every nation, he that fears God and works righteousness is accepted of him. And that he is a God of love has brought me closer to my heavenly father and my savior, Jesus Christ. Laman and Lemuel didn't get it, but you can. So sister scriptorians, I encourage you this week to study lectures on faith. And we'll meet again next week to go over what we've learned. And I'm excited for you to discover the power within you to be able to learn liken and lift others as you get to know your heavenly father and your savior jesus christ in a more personal way